Faith, look up in the sky. It's a bird. No, a little more to the left. Oh, it's a plane. No, no, a little more to the left. Holy crap. It's Superman. It is Superman, right now on a late night fright. Cue the music. Faith, this music is... Joyful and triumphant. It's kind of super, isn't it? It is. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very super co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, we have a really great movie tonight. This is one of my personal favorite films. It's not a horror film, though, (laughs) although it is horrifyingly good, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Would you please introduce this great piece of cinema we're talking about tonight? We are talking about Superman. From 1978. Is that what it's technically called? Superman. Superman movie. What's it called? Uh, On the poster, it says Superman the movie, but in the film, it's just (laughs) Superman. Superman. Uh, This is one of the all-time great comic book films, one of the first real serious comic book films. We should tell the audience, in case you're not aware out there, why we're doing this. We normally do horror films, but... It was a funny set of circumstances that led to us doing this film because we made an offhanded joke about Nicolas Cage playing Superman, (laughs) which he almost did in the 90s. And then the next week it was announced that Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Superman (laughs) in in an upcoming... Did uh, we predict the future? We may have. (laughs) We may have. And we made a Jerry Seinfeld joke, and Jerry Seinfeld is a huge Superman fan, so we figured everything was leading to Superman. We're both big fans of the character in the film, so we decided, (laughs) why not? Why not do the film? And we have branched out and done comic book films on this show before. Mm -hmm. We've uh, done Batman and Batman Returns. So we've done the two Keaton films. We've done uh, the Ghost Rider films as part of our Cage uh, match series. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another one we mentioned uh, that we did. Uh, We we did Spotlights on the Avengers films. Uh, We talked a little bit about Endgame when it was out. So comic book films are, are nothing new on the show, but I don't think we've done anything quite you know, this, this, yeah, this big with, yeah, with the movies. Yeah, this big. And uh, this is a really great film. So before we get into it, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Superman, the character. This is an 82 year old character as of the time of this recording. <laughs> so if you're listening to this in the future, just add the appropriate amount of years from <laughs> 2020. Uh, not only is the character 82 years old, the movie itself is now 42 years old. Uh, so we're dealing, you know, these, these are things are getting up there, Yeah. but <laughs> Superman, the character 1938 action comics, number one, we've had a love affair with him for 82 years now. <laughs> what is it that you think is the endearing thing that just keeps us going back for more? Because he makes me feel like I'm four years old. You know, there's, Aren't the, you? <laughs> I, I am at times. What is it that you think though, is like that endearing quality of the character you know before i'm jumping into it i can't talk watching this movie kind of refreshed my love for superman if you will and i feel like you're just watching it and you're like wow he's just 
I don't know, he's amazing and he feels so heroic. Is you know, is that a good word? I mean, obviously that is he's a the superhero, word. but he just That is the word. He for seems him. like he cares and he's truthful and yeah. he won't disappoint you. <laughs> I, I love what you said there because it that's the point I want to make. He doesn't disappoint you okay. and we're living in uh the times we find ourselves in now. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of social change going on. There's a lot of looking at institutions and seeing the need for change. Uh, some of it long overdue, uh, you know, but you can easily lose your faith in people and institutions. And mm -hmm. Superman has never let me down. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I know he's a fictional character, but he's never let me down because he's morality with might. And he always does the right thing mm -hmm. and he could rule over us all, yeah. but he chooses not to. He he's one of us yeah. and he's never let me down. And I have joked before that there are three fictional characters <laughs> who I absolutely believe in. And I put my 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 faith in Santa Claus, <laughs> Superman and the Fonz. And, and I'm not joking. They never let me down. But Superman, especially from the time I was a little boy. And I'm 41 years old, and I still feel like a little boy uh, talking about Superman. And, and, and I get excited, and I got excited watching this film. And uh, I'm really excited to share my love of the character tonight and my love of this film with uh, the listeners out there. And I hope that they love him as much as we do. I hope they love the film as much as we do. And if, if you're on the fence with Superman... I'm going to paraphrase Jack Nicholson here. There was a funny story I heard Adam Sandler tell. He was hanging out with Jack Nicholson and Nicholson was like, hey, let's go to the Lakers game. You know, and Sandler's like, uh, I do not really like the Lakers, Mr. Jack Nicholson, sir. And he's like, kid, you just got to like the Lakers. It's good for you. <laughs> Love Superman. It's good for you, right, Faith? That's right. <laughs> it's good for you. Let me ask, before we go to a break, let me ask a question. Now, you are traditionally more of a Batman girl. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing wrong with that because <laughs> Batman is one of the greatest uh, comic book characters mm -hmm. uh, ever created. Um, what is it uh, What is it that uh, that you like about the differences between these two guys? Well, I mean, I've always loved Batman because he's just so... Let me go hide in the dark. Type of <laughs> I heard somebody say the great thing about Batman, he's so great when you're 10 years old through you know your early teen mm -hmm. years because you're getting into like... <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe and those things and so all of your thoughts are about the dark and you think you're so deep you know and Batman kind of naturally I don't think I've left that, that phase no. and I was 10 years old when I got into Batman and I was heavy into Batman in my teen years you know was, I'm so dark you know like I like Batman so know. emo but but you, you uh there's something about that other guy yeah that other guy Batman I think is who we like to think we are <laughs> Maybe right. Superman's who we should try and aspire who to be. We, yeah, who we think we yeah we should be him. Yeah, he's just more uh, uplifting and positive. <laughs> I, I think we all need to be more like Superman. And I know, and for me, it's not, it's not the powers, it's not the suit, it's it's the morality of this guy and to do the right thing. And that's something we can do right now without X-ray vision, without heat Flying. vision, without being able to fly, <laughs> without being. Uh, invulnerable you know i don't know though x-ray vision and flying would be really cool <laughs> it really really would you know what is cool what's that? the movie we're going to talk about tonight we have christopher reeve gene hackman marlon brando 
Can I say her name? You can say her name. Margot Kidder. We have Margot Kidder. <laughs> this is one of my favorites, Faith. I know it's one of your favorites, too. <laughs> what are we talking about, Faith? Superman from 1978. We will be right back. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. Faith, Superman is not the only comic book film we've talked about on the show. No. We've talked about Batman. We've talked about Ghost Rider. We've talked about the Avengers. We've even talked about the greatest superhero of all time. Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. All of those episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found. He is pretty super, isn't he? He is. Magical, too. Am I getting through to you, Alva? Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we're going to get right to it. We're going to be talking about 1978 Superman, the movie directed by Richard Donner, starring Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando, Margot Kidder, and some guy named Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. So a little <laughs> background here. We said Superman is 82 years old. He began life in 1938. He's a creation of Siegel and Schuster. 
They were teenagers out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, they had toyed around with a character called the Superman as far back as 1933, but the character that we know and love comes from 1938. He was very much a product of the Great Depression faith. He was a, a champion of the oppressed. So uh, I've texted you. I've been reading the old Golden Age Superman mm-hmm. books, and uh, what are some of the things that I've been texting you? Because I know some of them have been kind of funny haven't they i can't remember off the top of I my head i think one of them was a uh, superman is beating up a crooked politician and a yes. lobbyist he just went down to a latin american country to stop a war <laughs> superman rules <laughs> that's it he was he was very much a champion of the little guy mm-hmm. and as the golden age turned into the silver age the stories got a little more sci-fi a little more out there superman could move planets this kind of thing. The Silver Age moves into the Bronze Age. Uh, Superman, they kind of modernize it a little bit. Uh, this movie uh, kind of treads the line for me between Silver and Bronze Age. A little bit of Golden Age thrown in there, but um, every generation has its Superman. So you go back to the beginning, the Golden Age. He starts in the comics. Siegel and Schuster really wanted to get him into the uh, newspaper. So they got a syndicated strip. That's where a lot of people got exposed to him. John Williams, the composer of this, talks about being exposed to him in the newspaper, not the comic books. Um, Radio show in the 40s, Bud Collier played uh, the title role. There were cartoons by Max Fleischer. Bud Collier also voiced the character there. He did the dual thing there. He would be talking like this as Clark Kent, and then this is a job for Superman. He would change it. Christopher Reeve steals a little bit from Bud Collier. Uh, the radio show, I believe, famously introduced kryptonite. So the reason I'm, I'm telling you all this is because the legend grows. Every every iteration adds something to the right. mythos. Uh, he didn't fly originally. He jumped. Okay. He could leap. And then that came later. He could fly. In the 50s, we have the wonderful George Reeves show. I've been watching the George Reeves show on the DC Universe uh, app and I grew up watching that show. It's it, boomers love George Reeves. Uh, there's a, a, a charm to that. Uh, so he played him on television. Before that, though, we had Kirk Allen in the 40s in the serials, Superman serials. Uh, and then uh, we move into the cartoons in the 60s. We had the Super Friends in the 70s, around 73. Uh, Ilya Salkine, the uh, Mexican French producer of the three and four Musketeers films. And, uh, Kind of nefarious business practices. We're going to get a little into that (laughs) tonight. Uh, Had the idea for a Superman film. He talked to DC Comics. They got the rights. And uh, so it's kind of an international independent production that they put together. This is, uh, at the time, was the biggest budgeted movie ever. And they filmed two movies uh, uh, subsequently at the same time. (laughs) And... uh, Went through the list of people at one time. George Lucas was asked. Uh, he he declined. Steven Spielberg thought about it. They had, you name it, they thought about doing it. The movie gods smiled on us, though. They asked Guy Hamilton, who directed Goldfinger, to direct the movie. But they were going to film it in England. He was a tax exile. He couldn't film in England. So we ended up with the guy who directed the film, Richard Donner, who is best known to horror fans uh, as the director of The Omen. He would go on to direct the Goonies and the Lethal Weapon films. He's directed some really wonderful films. He was the right guy for this. Uh, The script was in quotes by Mario Puzo, who wrote the uh, novel of The Godfather and worked on the scripts with Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, They didn't use those scripts. Tom Mankiewicz, who uh, was a writer and friend of Donner, came in and really wrote what we have. 
here on. So nice. they didn't give him credit. There's a I, again, there's a lot of there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with this movie that's very interesting. We're not going to get too much into that tonight. Uh, there are some great documentaries you can watch on YouTube that really, if you want to hear those stories, because we'd be here four hours <laughs> telling these stories, and it's better to hear them from the people. So we're going right. to keep it more to what we think of the film and uh, where applicable. We're going to talk maybe bring in some of those stories, but um, they got the right guy. Uh, movie God smiled, you know, on us here. Now yes. the Salkins uh, got Brando and Hackman. They paid both of those guys a lot of money. They wanted a big name for Superman. Uh, everyone pretty much turned it down. Burt Reynolds was attached at one time. So Stallone <laughs> was the only one who really thought about it. And he passed uh, Nick Nolte was attached like everybody. They were offering <laughs> lots of money to play Superman. Uh, the casting guy, Lynn Stallmaster, legendary casting uh, agent, uh, Lynn Stallmaster, uh, brought Christopher Reeve in early. They said no. Then he brought him back again, brought him, kept bringing him <laughs> back, and that was the right guy. Darth Vader, David Prowse, helped him put on weight. He went from, I think, 180 pounds to 220 or something like this in hmm. six or seven weeks. And uh rest is movie history. So they had <laughs> a little, little bit of the background. But every generation has their Superman yeah. for people my age. This is Superman. Mm -hmm. This is Superman. So let's get right into it. This movie uh, came out in December of 1978. I think this is a wonderful film. Faith, uh, you hadn't seen this in a while, right? It's been a very long time. What did you think uh, rewatching Superman, the movie? It, it made this love of Superman come back. I feel like I had kind of fallen out with him kind of over the last, you know, few, few, I mean, I don't, well, I can't even think of his name. Harry. Henry Cavill. Henry. Thank you. Yes. He's not terrible, but he's not Christopher Reeve, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, I mean, he's not terrible, but that's the person that pops in my head when I think Superman. So watching this, you just fall in love with that character, and this movie is just amazing. This movie doesn't feel like a movie. Mm -mm. This movie feels like you're watching a documentary yeah. or something. <laughs> it, it transports you to this world, and what I love about this movie is this movie strikes three distinct tones. Within about 40 minutes, mm -hmm. it's three movies in one. You yeah. have Krypton <laughs> with Marlon Brando, you have Smallville with Glenn Ford, and then you go into Metropolis and you go into the comic book film. And each tone is distinct. The look of the film is is different in each one. You yeah. go from sci-fi to heartland to... Then you're into the comic book. Mm -hmm. You have an hour and a half of a comic book movie, and it sets the tone so effortlessly. And one of the things... I don't want to knock on modern comic book movies, because this is the granddaddy, and... It's Donner's attitude toward this material because he says the original script was just unusable. It was campy. And I'm watching this movie. and I'm going, my God, if they shifted this to the left or right, it's awful. <laughs> they hit yeah. the exact middle because it's uh, it pulls the heartstrings and it's Americana. Yes. And it's uh, as Donner has said before, this is a ham sandwich and apple pie on July 4th. <laughs> it's it's that thing. And. It's never, uh, at times it's a little cheesy, but it's never overtly cheesy or campy. Right. You know, at one time they had Telly Savalas' Kojak written into the script saying, who loves you, baby? You know, when he goes up and flies, I'm going, that's awful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that is. But uh, the word he used, Donner used, was verisimilitude, which is just being completely grounded in the reality of the world, which I think this does. Mm -hmm. And it does it in three different settings yeah. which i love so let's go through the film the film uh begins with jor uh played by marlon brando he 
is uh, trying three criminals, uh, General Zod, Ursa, and Nan. And Ursa is so evil that uh, her machinations threaten even the children of Krypton. And I'm curious what exactly that means. Because <laughs> right? I was getting a Freddy Krueger vibe from her. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, General Zod is played by the great Terrence Stamp. And of course, Marlon Brando is Jarrell. And uh, he sentences them to the Phantom Zone, and then he informs the council that Krypton has 30 days because it's going to blow up. They say, no, you're wrong. And uh, <laughs> he says, well, we're not going to leave. And a little loophole there. He says, me and my wife will not leave. He didn't say anything about his son, did he? Mm-mm. So he sends little Kalel into the stars to Earth, and Krypton explodes. So what did you think of the first section of this film? And it's about 15, mm-hmm. 15 or so minutes, really. I love it. I think it's a nice introduction into that movie because like you said, you're not in the comic book, you know, in Metropolis yet. So I feel like it's a nice way to kind of, here you go, you know, here's what's happening. And I think it looked really cool. I loved everything about it. Yeah. And as I said, different uh, productions bring new things to the mythos. They bring the crystal aspect mm-hmm. here to, to the mythos and this this look of Krypton. And what I love about it is the biblical Shakespearean nature of it. Yeah. But how sci-fi and alien it all is. Yeah. You know, um, did you notice what Brando was wearing? And this is probably the biggest piece of the mythos that they uh, add What's here. Um, what Brando was wearing uh, when he was on Krypton. What the did black? He on his chest. The S? He had the S, mm-hmm. which was uh, they got around it by saying that was the uh, symbol of his house. So that okay. was his family crest to account for the S because it's one of the things like <laughs> what the dude just put the S on the costume, you know, <laughs> That's cool. Uh, some productions have said that it's a Kryptonian word for hope uh, hmm. here. It's the, it's the house house of Ellis, the crest of, of his house. So I thought that was fantastic. It's really cool. Yeah. I, like I that. thought it was fantastic. That's where this comes from. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you keep adding, <laughs> you know, there's no one, thing you know which i think is wonderful with this character um but that's the level of thought that mankiewicz and donner were putting into this you know (laughs) i love it and i love the fact that brando had the little spit curl too Mm -hmm. had the little (laughs) spit curl and they paid brando a lot of money and he filmed for 12 days i just want that to be out there yeah (laughs) no yeah he uh, i think he was a great addition to this film and there are absolutely no christ overtones in this film whatsoever (laughs) No, we're not, not going to talk all. about Mm-mm. that tonight. None whatsoever, Mm-mm. right? None, none. <laughs> this godlike man sending his son to Earth. There's no, there are no Christ overtones, even though the journey itself is very much like Moses in the basket, right? <laughs> but there I are don't no know what you're talking about. No Mm-mm. biblical overtones in this film Mm-mm. whatsoever. No. <laughs> so, uh, so we we move from Krypton to Smallville. The ship uh, crash lands. Jonathan and Martha Kent, played by Phyllis Staxter and the great Glenn Ford. Uh, fine young Kalel, they adopt him and raise him as their own. And the film here, as it has been described, looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. Then we uh, fast forward to Clark as a teenager in high school. We meet Lana Lang. He shows off a little bit. We see that he's faster than a locomotive. Uh, young Lois Lane makes an appearance on the train. Nobody believes her. And Glenn Ford passes away. Uh, Jonathan Kent passes away in a scene that just brings tears to my eyes. And, uh, then he hears the call of the crystal and he's off onto the next phase of his adventure at 18 years old. This is wonderful. This is my favorite section of the movie. Mine too. And <laughs> the section of the movie that I'm showing faith, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about that makes me cry. Mm-hmm. It 
legit brings tears to my eyes when his father dies and when he leaves home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm getting a little misty thinking about it right now, but it's uh, all those powers, you know, and Superman can't save the person he loves right. most, his father, you know, and that's going to come back later in the movie. Yeah. He's going to save somebody from death. Again, there are no Christ overtones in this movie <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, the young childless couple who can't have children, they find this kid just <laughs> from the heavens. It, it like, you know, just, just shoots down. They find no Christ overtones here, right? No, not at all. Martha sounds nothing like Mary, right? No. No. <laughs> Jonathan and Joseph, nothing. Mm-mm. Nothing. What uh, what did you like about the Smallville uh, uh, sequence? And, and again, this is about 15 minutes or so, and they have to get this prologue out the way. They tell you the legend, mm-hmm. and then we're into to the comic book right. film. Uh, I've always loved the Smallville section because it just feels... Like home, <laughs> you know, it makes him feel real. It brings him to life. You know, it makes him feel like that American, American dream. <laughs> you you really hit it because Smallville is what makes him human mm-hmm. because he's alien. Never forget that he's alien. He's an alien, but this makes him human and makes him one of us. And mm-hmm. he learns his ideals from us, from these from these people in the heartland. This yeah. is where he learns these ideals and he becomes the man that he is thanks to these people. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot about us. Yeah. You know, I think so. Um, This film, as we said, adding to the mythology, this is the first to put uh, Smallville in Kansas. Hmm. So it was always just kind of there. It was in the same state as Metropolis, (laughs) which is unnamed, but you know, uh, rural. Uh, They put it, you know, in Kansas. I think it was a great choice putting it right in middle America. Yeah, I think so too. So, there's a guy we need to talk about. We haven't talked about him yet, but um, his music in the Smallville section is what really gets me. And his music gives this picture its energy. And that's John Williams, who we've talked about him on the show before. We are both huge fans. But uh, the score to this movie was nominated for an Academy Award the same year that the Amityville Horror Hmm. score was nominated and i did find who won the, it who was won? Uh, midnight express giorgio Moroder mm. uh, won the oscar that year over two really good scores wow. i am not familiar with the midnight express score, so either. it must be pretty damn good i know <laughs> this movie this score is iconic i am a williams fan he hit the trifecta okay he did star <laughs> wars close encounters and superman bam 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 yeah all back to back to back and i know I love his Star Wars score. This theme, though, for Superman might be his One piece of his, that resistance. That might be his best, yeah. Um, and it's it's just everything about it, but the dun 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 dun. I mean, you mm-hmm. just know. And then the bump ba da, <laughs> and he's singing Superman, Superman, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And he loved the film, and he loved that it didn't take itself too seriously. And uh, I think the music is a reflection of it. But the music opens this picture. Yes. And we need to talk about the credits because the I think this is the greatest credit sequence in movie history. I think so, too. <laughs> you know, uh, Star Wars doesn't have a credit sequence. This does. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. And I've seen I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, but I watched it yesterday <laughs> getting ready for the show. And I st- I mean, I was completely stopped because I was kind of getting you know moving clean and some things. And I was like, put the movie on. I'm finished. Put up my clothes and I'm going to sit down and watch the movie. And I just stopped because I had to watch the words fly at me in that music. But the the Krypton music is is wonderful. But that da 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 yeah. da the Smallville theme uh, da 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 
and of course the Superman theme, and we're going to get to <laughs> the the third major theme in in just a moment. But uh, so we're thirty, maybe forty minutes in. He goes, he uh, he gets the Fortress of Solitude. He talks to Brando a little bit, and then we have. Chris Reeve, who I think is the greatest bit of casting in movie history. Oh, yeah. I really mean this. And he flies at us. And the tagline for this movie was, you will believe a man can fly. Did you believe a man could fly? Yes, I did. (laughs) Did you see that beautiful bastard bank when he comes at you and he banks? Yes. He sells it. Let's talk about Chris Reeve because I don't think this movie works. The first 30 minutes work. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you put anybody else in this movie, I don't think the hour and a half comic book movie works. Mm-hmm. What is it about Chris Reeve? He's a, he's a classically trained, Juilliard-trained actor. He was friends with Robin Williams. Um, he it's I don't even see Christopher Reeve. I don't either. He has just this presence when he's on screen that is almost... You're mesmerized with him. It's everything from his smile to his eyes. You just cannot help but to look at him. Like, not in a creepy way, but just... He was beautiful. He, he, just, he really, I, I'm, I'm secure enough with myself. <laughs> this was a beautiful guy. He was. And my mother saw him. Uh, I was watching the movie and she happened through and she went, God, he was just beautiful. And she didn't mean that in any kind of salacious right. way. It was just, God, look at, look at that specimen right there. And he was Superman. That's the thing. <laughs> and as a kid seeing that, cause I, this came out right before I was born. So I grew up watching mm-hmm. this and, uh, he was real. Mm-hmm. Superman was real and he was Superman. Yeah. And I've seen him in other things, but he wasn't Superman. <laughs> you know, he was a wonderful actor and a wonderful human being. And it's become a thing with uh, with people. Where were you when you found out that he he got hurt? And it's, you know, he passed away in 06 and, and had his accident in 95, I believe. And it was just Superman yeah. was paralyzed. You know, yeah. he did some wonderful things. Uh, he really was Superman. Yeah, he really was. I said he when I think Superman, he's who I would think of in my head. And uh, the dual role, you know, and like we were talking about Bud Collier, uh, Bud Collier did the kind of dual thing on the radio and in the cartoons, but he took it to this other level because, okay, <laughs> we were talking about things we love about Superman. One of the things that I love, as I said, is the morality with might mm-hmm. and and truth, justice, American way, all of those wonderful things. There is a goofy nature to all of this <laughs> because you got a guy who's wearing glasses You've got a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, you know, Perry White's also been around the block a few times, right? <laughs> and uh, they don't know that it's him. Hey, don't get me started on this. I know. I know. You got started last <laughs> week on it. If you didn't hear our show last week, check out the news bit. Faith Faith had a few things to say about, about Superman. And well, it's true. But it is. It's all true. So true. I actually buy the fact that they don't know it's him because he does the transformation in a few scenes here in the movie. And... I mean, the slouch, you know, the glasses, you know, the voice, everything. Like, I could actually see where they would not, you know, get it. I guess. I don't know. It's goofy. It's part of of the suspension of disbelief (laughs) with this. But I love the fact that he he tried, Mm -hmm. you know. And he really did create kind of two two different characters. Um, Some people have said he was channeling Woody Allen. Uh, He says he was channeling Cary Grant in uh, Bringing Up Baby. Hmm. So... I, I I love his Superman. I love his Clark Kent. I do too. <laughs> I love his Clark Kent. Oh gee, Mr. White. Oh gee. Oh gee. This movie is the classic that it is because of Christopher Reeve. Yeah, it is. Now Christopher Reeve's performance works because of someone that's that's working with him mm-hmm. and uh his his main co-star in this film is Margot Kidder. We mm-hmm. talked about her 
during the Amityville horror. That's another reason why <laughs> we, we did Margo and it was like everything was leading to Superman. Yep. I've expressed my love of Margo <laughs> and now I'm intimately familiar with her as Lois Lane. It had been a while for you. <laughs> and I know you love her too. What was it about Margo as Lois Lane? Because I don't think the film works half as well as it does without her in it. And she won this over a lot of different people. And I think they made the right choice. Oh, I think so. I feel like she's just ballsy. Is that a good word for her? It's a great word. Yeah. (laughs) And vulnerable. Yeah. I was just about to say that. They let her be feminine. Mm -hmm. I was, that's, yeah, that's it. She's ballsy, but she's feminine at times. And I love that she's not like drooling over men throughout the whole movie, you know, but then when Superman comes around, she's just completely. Wouldn't you? Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, she's, it's not like, oh, she just likes a all man and she's drooling over him, too. I like that there's just this special thing that it's like, that she's scene so locked in. Where Jackie Cooper playing Perry White is uh, admonishing the reporters to get the story. And I want to know everything about him. Does he have a favorite ball team? Does he have a girlfriend? And that look on her face, <laughs> she has some yes. great looks in this film. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the uh, don't worry, miss, I've got you. You've got me. Who's got you? And her in that entire scene, when she comes up, when they come up, he's holding the helicopter and she looks down. Um, She's wonderful. I mean, and that's really all you can say about it. She's wonderful. And I feel like she's a complete kind of 180 from the Clark Kent character oh, yeah. in Superman. And I think she was a 180 from Chris Reeve in real life mm-hmm. because they'd be up in the wires flying and apparently like he'd stay in character and she'd have a book. Maybe be like, Margo, you know, you got to, you know, you stay in character. He's like, ah, screw you. you know? <laughs> I let ballsy is the, it's the best word for it. Did we call her ballsy in, uh, in the Amityville episode? Maybe in Black Christmas we did. <laughs> I think, yeah, this, yeah. I feel like that's just who she is as a, like, that's just her. She was one. Oh, gosh. I mean, I feel like that's just who. Gosh, I loved her. She was. And... I, I loved her. Loved. <laughs> and, and it's so strange because you don't know these people, you know, you know them mm-hmm. from their work, but. I just loved Margot Kidder, the woman. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe a tad above Carrie Fisher, and I love <laughs> Carrie Fisher, you know? She was special. She, she, was. she was. She was. And this Lois Lane is special. Yeah. And their relationship would go into the 1986 kind of revamp of Superman in the comics. And John Byrne, in his, uh, who did the revamping, wrote in the Man of Steel trade issue, uh, he thanked them. He said they were two of the people. Margot got a shout out nice. for being one of the people who helped with the modern retelling of Superman. And she became a great ambassador for that character. She <laughs> didn't really give two hangs about it before him, <laughs> but she said she got it. You know, she said like her, uh, I think her grandson would watch it, you know. Oh, that's and, cool. <laughs> and so uh, she said she realized the importance of it. I love it. I love her. She, I as a kid, too. I loved her. So we have, uh, we've talked about Brando. We've talked about Christopher Reeve. We've talked about Margot Kidder. There's an Academy Award winner. And then two other people that are with him in this movie. Uh, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. This movie is really a real estate swindle at its heart. He's going to put a bomb on the San Andreas Fault and then he's bought up all the land cheap. And it's yep. going to be the new West Coast, which is kind of an ingenious plan, really. Is. He is the greatest criminal mind of our time, though, Faith. <laughs> Gene Hackman, I don't. We've never talked about Hackman on this show. No. He hasn't been in anything that we've mm-hmm. done, and that's a shame. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. He's, <laughs> I think, ninety years old now. Mm-hmm. He's a two-time Academy Award winner. He won Best Actor for French Connection and uh, won Best Supporting Actor for Unforgiven. He was known as a serious actor, and here he is 
showing up for a lot of money, but he showed up <laughs> to play in this kind of ridiculous thing. And um, I was impressed watching this because it's so easy to forget him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, this interpretation of Lex Luthor is not their favorite. Uh, up until that. this, he was uh, the mad scientist type, you know, mm-hmm. and then afterwards he was kind of a Trump type uh uh, Trump in the 80s, real estate mogul, mm-hmm. you know, kind of running the thing. And um, this, he's not, he, he's neither of those here. <laughs> he's just a brilliant criminal mind. And, um, you know, I love it. You forget about him because, you know, I think of Christopher Reeve and Margo and I'm right. thinking about Smallville and all these wonderful moments. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you forget how wonderful but Hackman he, is here. he shows up. <laughs> and he's funny as hell. And Ned Beatty and... uh Valerie Perrine are his partners in crime here, literally and figuratively. <laughs> and they're a riot. They st- for me, they steal the movie. Oh, yeah. I think so. Ned Beatty, especially as Otis. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mr. Luthor. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Luthor. Are we going to Addis Ababa? <sighs> yeah, um, he, he what, was... what do you think of Hackman, though? <laughs> oh, I loved him. I think he was amazing. And you texted me like 10 times. I feel like Hackman is amazing. I'm like, really? Like, what was what stood out about him for you? Uh, a, how funny he was, <laughs> effortlessly funny, mm-hmm. but then B, how mean he could be, mm-hmm. how he could switch it, you know, um, and the brilliant, you could see how brilliant he was too. Yeah. Just the whole thing. And the fact that he was fully present, he wasn't phoning it in as an actor, mm-hmm. you could tell, but there was real menace there at times too. And he, he got the spirit of it. You know, I think, uh, I don't, you could have put a lot of people in that role, but I think Gene Hackman just brought something to it yeah i think and, so too and uh i love gene hackman I, I i i don't know why his performance here or this take on luthor isn't as universally loved because here's the thing there wasn't a universal take on luthor at this point he was just kind of the mad scientist mm-hmm. he'd be in prison he'd build a robot and then superman put him back in prison you know he'd team up with the joker mm-hmm. or do something but this He's brilliant here. I think so. And I think there's shades of what comes here, what came in the uh, 1986 uh, Burn revamp. I think you can see shades of it there, you know, him being brilliant and uh, the tactician and real estate and all these mm-hmm. things. But uh, I love it. And it's and it, <laughs> it it just feels like a natural part of the film. Well, I think it fits the movie pretty well because a lot of people, I was reading some comments, some reviews, they uh, they wanted more from him. It's like, I didn't need any more, really. I think what was happening was... Just fun. <laughs> and his interactions with Reeve are great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love it. I mean, the funny little bits, too, with the robe and the swimming pool and the uh, <laughs> Miss Tessbacher, you know, that, that whole thing. And uh, and his hair, yes. his hair changing because he didn't want to wear yes. the ball. He didn't want to be bald. <laughs> but his hair, which I think makes it even funnier. You know? Yes, all the hair pieces. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny because I think he told Donner, he said, I can't be funny. You know, and Donner's like, don't worry about it. Like... <laughs> He's hysterical. He walks away with, you know, pretty much every scene that he's in. But but him and Ned Beatty together, two great dramatic actors playing comedy, is just gold. I know. I could have seen them in a movie, like just off to you know their own little movie together. Yeah, yeah. And um, as we said, Hackman is an Oscar winner. Uh, Ned Beatty is an Oscar nominee. Valerie Perrine is an Oscar nominee playing Eve Tessmacher. You can't overlook her as the femme fatale, no. the, 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 the bad girl who turns good. Uh, what you, what do you think of Val? I've always loved Valerie Perrine, uh, the actress. She's been in some things that I've just absolutely loved. She was great in a movie called The Border with Jack Nicholson. Uh, she hasn't been on screen in like 20 years. She's retired now, but uh, she is an Oscar nominee. 
And uh, I think she's great. Now, she was not their first choice. Who was? And Margaret was the first choice. Hmm. And she wanted a little too much money. Okay. She wasn't even the second choice. <laughs> Goldie Hawn was the second oh. choice. And they say she was the third choice. And they say they really think they got the best choice yeah. with her. And, <laughs> I think uh, so. I, nothing against Goldie and Ann Margaret. I love both of those women dearly. But uh, Valerie Perrine just... <laughs> There's something about the energy of these three. There's like a kookiness between all three of them that just works so well. It's just because you've got the serious kind of nature of the the Superman thing. You know, they're taking that. Mm -hmm. They're they're treating the Superman story with reverence. Yeah, and then you get the the real goofy stuff going on. I love it. I do too. I love the Williams music for the villains. Bum bum ba ba (laughs) dun 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 dun, which kind of sounds like Jar Jar's theme from from Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. So. Really, really great stuff. Um, what did you think of the comic book section of the film? What did you think of like the story and the way that this all resolves? I like this story. And I th- I f- did we talk about last week? I might have said something about um, how these new movies are so in your face. Loud. Uh, loud. In your face. In your face. Flashy. And I feel like this kind of just takes its time. And you feel like you are are reading a comic in a way. And it's not overwhelming <laughs> i i feel like each section today mm-hmm. if this was a marvel movie who are they're the they're the you know the big poobahs now mm-hmm. um the krypton section would be its own movie and it would be two and a half hours mm-hmm. the smallville section would be its own movie and it would be two hours and 45 minutes because we got more stuff to cover right? and then the the superman section that'd be a three-hour movie <laughs> right. uh, you know and it'd be a trilogy of three-hour movies <laughs> you know um i feel like it just gets in and gets out yeah. and does does exactly what it needs to do and they tell you the legend and they're there they have some fun with it mm-hmm. you know he doesn't change in the phone booth he changes in the revolving door you know they update it for 78 you right. know when mm-hmm. it when it came out and uh like i said i i don't think you can beat this movie in terms Mm-mm. of tone and feel and uh the humor in it you know i think the modern superhero movies you know guardians kind of showed them like uh you know, if you put in a lot of jokes, people will dig it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the humor here is so natural and gentle and not forced. You right. Know? You get it from uh, uh, Otis and uh, Luthor and uh, Tess Mocker, you know. But you get funny bits with Clark Kent and Lois Lane, too. Yeah, and, and it feels like it's part of the character. Like, it feels like it's just so natural. It doesn't feel like it had to be, you know, written yeah. in. <laughs> and the wordplay humor is great, too. Mm-hmm. With uh, Mark McClure playing Jimmy Olsen. We have to talk about him. He's not in it much. I love his Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> and he would go on to play Dave McFly in Back to the Future. Okay. And uh, he, uh, the whole bit with, uh, and don't call me sugar chief, you know, and <laughs> and I love it. Like, it, it's so good natured and and not cool. That's the thing. It's, this is not a cool movie. You know, there's nothing cool about this. But there's something so warm and comforting about yeah. it that. I think we need more of this today. I think so too, because I have nothing wrong with this, these new movies. Obviously, I Not love a these bit. movies, and I love the Man of Steel movie. And uh, this is going to lose me some points with the super Superman fans out there. Um, I actually enjoy the uh, the long director's cut of <laughs> Batman versus Superman. I think there's some wonderful stuff mm-hmm. in there, and uh, people say that's not Superman, and <laughs> it shows you why we need Superman, right? And I think we need Superman. I, we yeah. need the idea of Superman. We need a little hokey every now and yeah. then. And I think this movie in particular fits the bill. As Lois says, people don't say swell anymore. 
this movie does. Oh man, like, like what? Let me ask you this before we take a break. What was it? What was it like for you watching this movie with everything going out at the time of this recording? We're in a pandemic. We've got you know social upheaval and unrest going on. What was it like for you watching this movie? It felt like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I mean, it just felt like yeah. hopeful in a way. You know, it just felt really comforting and refreshing to watch. And I feel like that's kind of the difference, I feel like, with these new movies. It just feels... This feels like it's coming from a place of absolute heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's just coming from the right place. Exactly. Like, you know, verisimilitude. There it is. You <laughs> there know, that's you go. the word. That's the word. Do you have anything you'd like to add about the film before we take a short break? I think that's it. What about you? Uh, I have more to say about it, but I we can do that <laughs> in the last section. But we did our top five. Mm-hmm. Comic book heroes and top five villains. Faith, do you want to do villains or heroes now? Hmm. Let's do heroes. As I get my <laughs> list out of my pockets. Oh, you, you got all serious and wrote it on paper. I got all serious and wrote it on paper so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> and now we try to find the list. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't you worry, boys and girls. We have a list. Are you sure? I think I do. Oh, no. Maybe I don't. (laughs) Maybe we should have taken that break. (laughs) Stand by. Late Night Fright is experiencing technical difficulties. All right. Technical difficulties over. We have found the list. All right, you want to do villains? Save superheroes for... Let's do villains first, yeah. So we're going to count down from five. Our top five favorite uh, comic book villains. This is not greatest comic book villains, just our favorite comic book villains. Are yours in order? I have mine uh, listed from five to one. I mean, (laughs) oh, well, really? This is, this is, you're putting them as your least favorite to favorite? Yes. Okay, I kind of didn't. They're just thrown on here for me <laughs> oh that's fine that's fine too go so, first uh my number five and this was hard to put her on this list because she is more of an anti-hero sometimes hero but uh i guess she belongs more on this side of the of the aisle than the <laughs> other uh i put Catwoman. Mm-hmm. put Catwoman at number five i have lex luther not a bad choice he also <laughs> makes an appearance on my list all right uh number four i have harvey two-faced dent that's a good one he he was almost there. And I would just like to say Batman and Spider-Man had the greatest rogues gallery of villains. <laughs> Batman, Edge, and Spider-Man I know. just by nose. Uh, let's see. Who did you have? I put Thanos on my list. That's not a bad. <laughs> I mean, the mad The Mad Titan. Yeah. Not a bad call. <laughs> uh, number three, I have Lex Luthor. And I want to say that that is more of the 1986 uh, Lex Luthor, the kind of you know, he's a big man about town, a real estate mogul, got mm-hmm. his fingers and everything running the show above and below. So uh, <laughs> they did a great job. Marv Wolfman and John Byrne did a really great job with that character in the 1986 reboot. Uh, my number three, I put Bane on here on my list. Ah, now are we talking Bane from the comics, Bane from uh, the films, or Bane from the Harley Quinn uh, cartoon? All of it. <laughs> Because Bane from the Harley no, the Quinn Harley cartoon Quinn. really, really... Uh, 
He kind of steals it. If you have not seen the Harley Quinn cartoon with Bane, uh, Bane's precious, by the way. And they are completely making fun of the Tom Hardy Bane, which I think needs to be taken down a peg or two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Number two, I have uh, Doctor Doom, a Marvel character, is making an appearance. Stan Lee uh, created Doctor Doom for the Fantastic Four, and uh, I love the look of Doctor Doom. Just <laughs> the the just it's great. I, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, when you think of like Mad Villain, you know, <laughs> just just world domination, like Doctor Doom. Yeah. You know, I also have Catwoman on my list. She's number two. Yes. I have a feeling we might have the same number one. What you got? I got the Joker. I do too. It's kind of hard not to put the Joker <laughs> it's in. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. There are people out there who can illuminate you more on the psychology of why he is the greatest <laughs> uh, comic book villain and why he's such a great foil for Batman. Let's just say I like the fact that he's just crazy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So our top five favorite comic book villains and this is a news break so when uh when the news is over we're going to come back and give a wrap up on superman the movie and also give you our top five favorite comic book heroes Ooh, i know they're waiting for that faith they're waiting and i actually have the list so it's ready to go (laughs) all right this is a news break we will see you on the other side of this i am dan and i am faith and stay tuned Oscar winner and proprietor of the Goop Holistic Living website gave her son a boobs puzzle to put together during the global pandemic lockdown. The puzzle features illustrations of boobs large and small in a variety of ages and ethnicities. Gwyneth, while charming as a mofo in the Iron Man movies, has apparently lost her grip on reality. Seems to be a running theme here. Well, it's been a long time coming, but we finally have an answer to the eternal question asked by Dion in his classic hit song, Teenager in Love. The chorus goes, each night I ask the stars above, why must I be a teenager in love? Well, the stars have answered, and they replied with this, and I quote, You're not in love. You're a hormonal little twit who'd stick his wang in a light socket if it expressed interest. Stop confusing love and lust, you loser, and for God's sake, stop thinking with your boner. Dion and his boner have yet to reply. Wow. Okay. But a boobs puzzle. A boobs puzzle. Mm-hmm. And her son also thinks that it's radical that his mom sells vibrators on her website. Mm-hmm. Apparently the whole family has lost grip on reality. Mm-hmm, Faith. Well, uh, finally, I think you'll like this. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's website, Goop. That sounds an awful lot like poop. Yeah, it does sound a lot like poop, and my God boobs puzzles and candles that smell like vaginas and mm-hmm. orgasms and mm-hmm. mushroom experiences on mm-hmm. wherever and oh my gosh she's great as you know 
and that's the news. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's just so weird. I can't believe that you. Her son likes it, and he, she has vibrators on her website. And there's, I mean, what what other kind Faith, of gifts is she? Settle down, Faith. I mean, what other kind of Settle. gifts is she giving to her we'll son? We'll see you on the other side. Boobs, vaginas. Why must I be a teenager in love? Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, have you calmed down? A little bit. Good. A little bit. Good. <laughs> Let's wrap up discussing 1978's classic Superman the movie from director Richard Donner. Uh, for my money, Faith, this is the definitive take on the character. Mm -hmm. Um and that's nothing against uh, Dean Cain. That's nothing against Henry Cavill. Nothing against George Reeves or uh, Kirk Allen, who played him. Uh, anybody else who's who's done work as this character. Everybody brings something to the table. There's a, a, a podcast I listen to called From Crisis to Crisis that covers the Superman comic books from 86 to about 90 or 2003 or 4 it is. And they made a point on there. They said that when Superman is done right, when it's when it's the core of the character is intact, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's always good. And I feel that everybody who's done this has brought something to it. But right. Christopher Reeve set this bar that we're 42 years on now. We're always going to judge who plays Superman by yeah. this performance. And that's nothing against the current guy, Henry Cavill, no. who I like quite a yeah, bit. That's what I was saying earlier. I think he's great, but... It's just Christopher Reeve just is Superman. <laughs> yes, he is. And he proved it to us uh, later in his life that he he really was Superman. This this movie, I feel like this movie is just a miracle. Mm -hmm. It's just a miracle of a movie. And it really sets the template for what's to come 10 years later with uh, Batman from Tim Burton because that movie took its source material seriously like this movie mm -hmm. did. And I love the fact that they're so day and night, you know, which is yeah. which is. <laughs> those characters you know because batman was created as a you know reaction to superman they mm -hmm. wanted something that was darker you know yep so i love it i love it um god christopher reeve it's 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 amazing i think it's the greatest casting in movie history i, I think, think it's so. one of the greatest performances in movie history it, it's you know what I noticed? I wanted to say this about him earlier. You know what I noticed watching at this time that he does not do what? in this movie? He never poses. 
He never, ever poses. It's true. When he walks in, he lets that suit do the talking. What did you think of the suit in the in the movie? Because I I know they've tried to update it. They say, oh, modern audiences don't want that suit. I love this suit. I love it. It just, I don't know, it screams Superman. It looks so good. The colors are so amazing. They're so vibrant and beautiful. Yeah. The, the great tagline in this movie was, you'll believe a man can fly. Did you believe he could fly? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. I still believe it. I don't care now knowing, you know, we have 40 something years of movies behind us. And yeah, I know that they're doing back projection and all this. I don't care. <laughs> he looks like he's flying. I know. And, and that's amazing. One of the other scenes we need to talk about here is something uh, when they were doing the restoration of this about 20 years ago, uh, Michael Fowl, who ended up putting the Richard Donner Superman 2 cut together, was uh, restoring bits of this movie. And he wanted to take this scene out, and Richard Donner said, absolutely no way. What do you think about the can you read my mind scene? Because this is one that seems to... With fans, you either love it or you hate it, and and uh, I've I've heard some just awful horrendous things said about the flying really? the flying sequence. Yeah, what do you think about uh, the "Can You Read My Mind" sequence? I I really enjoy that. I don't I don't see why people would would hate it necessarily. It for me it harkens back to like an old uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers film, like a dance, you know, yeah. and. Uh, and I love the fact that the poem is read, is you know, recited by Margot Kidder, mm-hmm. and you're getting her inner monologue. Something you don't get a lot of in movies, the inner, right. you know, actually hearing the inner monologue. And like we were talking about with her character, she's so tough, mm-hmm. and she's so ballsy. And Lois Lane strikes, this Lois Lane strikes me as a women's liber and tough mm-hmm. and- but she's also feminine and vulnerable. She's right. a full she's a full person, yeah. which I think is wonderful. <laughs> and I love hearing the vulnerability and the sweet but there's a sweetness to that there too. Is. You know? and, yeah, and I think that's that's something you don't see in a lot of superhero movies today. You know, you don't you don't get that that softness and sweetness and I th- I like it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I I love it. It's it's one of my favorite bits of the movie. It's it's the thing you remember from the movie mm-hmm. too. The fly. I love it. It's so beautifully done and and they're wonderful together. And her, we have to give her credit too. Christopher Reeve really sells you on the guy flying, but she's wonderful too. I know. In those scenes flying with him. Um, do you have a uh, favorite moments from this? And it's so, I know it's hard it's because hard. There's, there's so many great moments. I have a favorite with, scene. With though. them together, I love the interview scene. <laughs> I think it's the best scene <laughs> in the movie. Just so and good. the adult humor there is really, yeah. really well done. How big are you? I mean, tall. <laughs> do you eat? You know, which goes over the head of kids. You know, but, and then the embarrassment of the underwear and <laughs> oh my gosh, when when he goes uh, pink, you know, and, and her moving back yes. to the planner, <laughs> and it's uh, just so well done. I loved it. And her with uh, K R Y. <laughs> do you like pink? You know it. And and uh, it was described uh, by Donner and Mankiewicz as two kids on their first date, and it feels like two <laughs> kids on their first date. It and does. there's a there's just a real innocence to it too in him. And what I love is like, he's not in a quote unquote innocent. He's playing with her. You know, I know. even when he lands on that ledge and he goes and he looks and he's looking at the door cause he knows where he's going to make his escape, you know, uh-huh. come in and, um, and all that. But he's that twinkle in his eyes when he's like, uh, looking at her and you can tell, and yeah, that'd be the woman that he would love. <laughs> of course it'd be the woman that he loved. What do you think about the ending here? Uh, Because the ending, uh, 
don't think about the ending too much with the time travel stuff. Uh, the this was not going to be the original ending of the film. They they were filming both of them together, and they decided because they wanted to get the first movie out. They went and put the the time the turn in the world backwards mm-hmm. onto this one. Um, what do you think about it? Because I still I was watching. I was like, wait, okay, so did she see an earthquake or not? Like how how far? <laughs> I was doing that too. It was. And and it, there comes a point where you go, it, yeah, just it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. What do you think about the ending? I liked it, but I'm with you. I was I was questioning a few things, matter. but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Mankiewicz said, you know, uh, the character kind of undergoing the hero's journey, uh, the Joseph Campbell mono myth that we talked about uh, in the Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. episode. Uh, he's uh, he leaves. So the stages are: he leaves Krypton, he leaves Smallville, and then finally he leaves the Earth. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, what I love about the ending is that he he embraces the humanity. You yeah. know, he embraces Glenn Ford. I know you're here for a reason, and defies the Godfather. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 Jarrell God yeah. figure. And I love the fact that he does it because he's in love with Lois Lane, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, man. Reeve in the scene where he finds her when he gets angry. Man, is that not? pure just i know the rage there <laughs> i know he he was so good he was so good and again there's no christ uh there's no christ com- uh analogies no. here he raising the dead there's, there's 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 nothing christ-like in this <laughs> not at all not at all <laughs> now this movie gets my absolute highest recommendation it's very rare we do non-horror films here so it's got to be a pretty special movie yeah and, and it is it's it's yeah it's one of those movies that i think Everybody needs to see because it's just horrifyingly good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the sequels uh, diminish in quality, unfortunately. Uh, Donner filmed seventy five percent of the second one, and uh, there was uh, a lot of backstage drama with him and the producers. There was some nefarious uh, producing practices going on, so they fired him. And the movie that came out was not all his movie. In two thousand six, we finally got the Richard Donner cut, and it's so bittersweet seeing it. It really is. Christopher Reeve had just died, so we got a new Christopher, and literally new scenes, mm-hmm. you know. And we got Brando in the second movie finally because they didn't want to pay him for being in because he was it, a lot of <laughs> drama. Like um, if that's something you're interested in, look it up. Uh, we might get to those movies uh, at a later date. We we've, we've talked about doing a superhero month. I think mm-hmm. those would be good. The Superman sequels, I think. Uh, yeah, just. The other thing, and I mean, this went on to inspire uh, three sequels with Christopher Reeve. As I said, the uh, unfortunately the quality of the films diminishes, but uh, he does not. He's he's amazing. And uh, then we got Superman Returns in '06, and then now we're into the new Henry Cavill series. And uh, we almost had Nicolas Cage, as we've said on the show a few times, and we might get him in some iteration. And I did hear that with them doing the kind of multiverse uh, DC movies. I don't know how much stock you can put in this, but I did hear that they do want to incorporate Christopher Reeve as Superman in some capacity in that. So you might nice. see him, see a picture of him. I think that's that awesome. Would, I think that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, this movie, I can't say enough good things about it from top to bottom. Uh, the film is dedicated to Jeffrey Unsworth at the beginning. He, he uh, lit the movie and he passed away shortly after they filmed both movies. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I love about this movie is uh, the ethereal quality to the look of it. There is, uh, as has been described, a haze to this movie. Yeah. An almost mm-hmm. magical, misty thing yeah. <laughs> that's going on that you 
can reach out and touch it, but not quite. Yeah. It's dreamlike in a way. And it just feels like uh, another world. It does. It's, it's amazing. Top to bottom. I, I genuinely, I love this character. I love this film. I love this performance from Christopher Reeve. I, I love everything about this. And uh, Superman too. is, uh, is wonderful. I am wearing a Superman shirt <laughs> as we do this. And I'm telling you it, 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 it does something to you when you put it on. Does it? it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You you feel something like hmm. you stand up a little taller well, when you wear right. the Superman shirt. <laughs> so fantastic. You have anything else you'd like to add about this movie? I think that's it. What about you? Just watch it. Watch, Absolutely. Watch this movie. Share this movie. If you have kids, share this movie with your kids. It just, it's, I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. I think this is as influential a movie as Star Wars is, which came out a year before. Yeah. I th- Maybe doesn't get enough credit but uh you know as far as the way that uh these these comic book movies are being handled now you notice the ones that do better are the ones that take the source material more seriously like this Mm -hmm. and i think i've never seen a movie strike the tone the way this does and 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 these performances are just magic it just doesn't feel like a movie at times it just feels like (laughs) and, and did it make you feel like a kid my final question did it make you feel like a kid it did I did feel like a kid watching. Made me feel like a kid. Made me feel like I was four years old mm-hmm. watching this, and and just loving it. And uh, it's great. It's great. Check it out. It so, is great. <laughs> uh, before we do a short preview of next week's show, Faith and I have our top five favorite comic book heroes. We did our villains, so we're gonna close off the show with our heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are not what we consider to be the greatest, just our <laughs> our personal favorites. So, uh, Faith, number five. I have the Flash. I, too, have the Flash at number <laughs> really? five. Um, and for me, it doesn't matter if it's Barry Allen or Wally West. Right. I love the Flash. Uh, if you're out there, if you're interested in comic books, get some reprints of the 1960s run of the Flash. Just amazingly fun stuff. Uh, sci-fi fun goodness. Uh, the artwork from uh, uh, Infantino, I think is his name. Uh, the artist's name is escaping me right now. And I think it's close to what I just said. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, really looking forward to uh, what they do with uh, this Flash movie where they're bringing in Michael Keaton. Yes, me too. So, uh, Faith, who do you have at number four? This one was really difficult. I had to put Superman at number four. That's okay. He's on the list. He's on the list, but it was just hard to put him there. But He's on the list. <laughs> He's on the list. I have Wonder Woman at number four, and I love comic book Wonder Woman. I There's just a no- nobility to Diana. I, I love her. Gal Gadot captures a lot of that. Linda Carter captures some of that fun in the, in the show, but there's something about that comic book Wonder Woman that I just I love. And... Um, I love her relationship with the the Trinity, as they call it, with Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, th- I think she's great. So he, uh, he have it number three. Again, this was hard. I have Spider-Man in number three. Um, yeah, we're, we're close here. I have uh, I, this was a hard one for me. I have Batman at number three <laughs> just because he's not the two guys I have at one and two. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, I think, is just one of the it's it's Batman. You know, I know it. <laughs> All right, who's your number two? At Spider-Man at number two. Okay. Spider-Man at number two. I am a Spider-Man fan. I love everything about the Stan Lee run. That's I why love it was hard to put him at everything. three for me. Uh, and the reason he's not number one is because he wasn't first. Now, what I want you to think about are the similarities between the Superman world and the Spider-Man world. They wear mm-hmm. almost the same colors. They both work in the newspaper. Yep. <laughs> 
but but Spider-Man is kind of more the real world uh, superhero in a lot of ways, and he's more like us. You know, he's got the problem. Mm-hmm. Superman didn't have the problem of having to pay the rent. Spider-Man <laughs> did. Uh, Sup- Spider-Man uh, couldn't get a date with the girl, and if he could get a date with the girl, he can't pay for the date. You know, these real world teenage real world problems. problems. And and I I always uh, took to that as a kid. And I still take to that, and he's <laughs> that's why he is number two. And I want to say on my list. Uh, it's DC heavy. If we had ten, their Marvel is, oh, yeah. is 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 right there. Well, so. here I have a Marvel at number two. I have Iron Man at number two. Very good. Not a bad, not a bad call. He's he'd be <laughs> in my top ten. Uh, I've always I've always really liked Iron Man, and uh, so number one for you, Batman. It's Batman. It was tough between Iron Man and Batman, but yeah, I have Superman. I'm a Batman one. person. <laughs> I, have, I have Superman. Um, some of that is personal preference, and then some of it is just the history of it. He's the first, and and uh, he's the first. I don't know if we made this point enough earlier. He's the first superhero in a comic book, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a big deal. I know that's a big deal. And then Batman joined him a year later, and uh, you had the great characters of the '40s and '50s, and then you know you move into the Marvel Revolution of the '60s, and now. That's where we are with the films, too. It's kind of funny, isn't it, the way that the the film uh, world lined up with the history of the comics? You know, you had yeah. Batman and Superman, and then, <laughs> then you know, the Marvel explosion, just yep. kind of like the 60s. So, um, great film. Great film. It's I'm glad. I'm glad I'm really, really glad we did this just selfishly because I got to watch it again. <laughs> I had an excuse to watch it again <laughs> and to talk about it. You know, it's a good time to talk about Superman in this, in this movie. So it's always a, it's always good to talk about Superman. <laughs> and right now, especially, it's kind of serendipitous the way that fortune smiled on us with everything going on in yeah. the world. And uh, I want to add, we we hope you're safe and well wherever you are. Absolutely. And at the time of this recording, there are some massive heat waves going on. So I hope you're staying cool as well yes. as uh, happy and healthy. So Superman, great film. Highest recommendation. Uh, watch it, please. Yes, um, absolutely. Faith, uh, this was my pick this week. Uh, next week is your pick. You have a good one. And I would love for you to let our listeners know what it is so they can watch that film. Yes. Be ready for it. I decided to pick The People Under the Stairs. From Wes Craven? Yes, from Wes Craven. From horror meister Wes Craven? Yes. <laughs> It'll be good to get back to a um, traditional horror film. Mm-hmm. We have, I, don't th- I don't think we've done like a tr- real kind of one of the names, I should say. Yeah, from, and I feel like we've only done what Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street from, from, him. from Craven. So it's kind of cool to kind of, yeah. you know, kind of get outside of that. But I like this movie. I think it's weird. That's kind of why it I is, picked it. It is weird. <laughs> but I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I think it'd be fun to talk about it. So I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it in a while, so this will be this will be a Good. lot of fun. Great, another great pick <laughs> from you. You've you've had some really inspired picks, and uh, I'm not gonna announce it now. But I have. I think I have a kind of wacky pick for for. Uh, <laughs> The week after, nothing like Superman or anything like. Yeah, it's it's a horror, it's quote unquote horror <laughs> film, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So Superman is in the books. Um, what else? I, I, you know, we're, it, it, time's up, but I feel like there's so much more to say. It's it's I, I could I could go on and on about just how great this movie is. And uh, seriously, if you haven't seen this in a while, watch it. And if if this is the, this is a movie where. Um, you know, you might be influenced by what's going on today as far as like films and all this, all that movie. So watch it with an open mind and an open heart because it will, if you let it in, it'll change your life. (laughs) It really will. So 
Well, Faith, it uh, it feels like it's that time, doesn't it? It does. It does. Let's see. If we listen very closely, can we hear the chimes, Faith? Ah, there they are, Faith. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Before we say goodbye, I would like to thank everyone for listening wherever you are in the world. And I would also like to say a big hello to Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, wherever they are. Yes. Hopefully looking down on us. I hope, I hope they're having fun wherever they are. I hope so, too. I love them. Love them both. Me too. All right, Faith, let's do it. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, (laughs) keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.